Hey guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome ladies and gentlemen of podcast land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, Well now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Oh good lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. I'm not waking up at butt crack dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here first. And now, a word from Saltside Jet. Oh, yeah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our Alright, ladies and gentlemen, let's do it like Drew does it. Wait, I can't even remember how he does it. Something about ladies and gentlemen in podcast land. Something like that. I don't know. But guess what? It's just me. It's just Chris tonight uh, or today, this morning, whatever time it is that you're listening to this podcast. Drew is on staycation, vacation, awaycation because actually it's not a cation of any kind. He is moving his house so or not moving the house but all of his contents from one house to the other i know y'all have heard about it he's been stressed beyond belief about all of his uh the tasks required with buying a house i'm glad he's doing it he's finally growing up becoming a big boy um actually i think it's the second house that he's purchased but anyway so it's just chris with the paddler's playbook today actually we are going to have Matt Murphy join us with No Wake Guide Services. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about outfitters and how guides fit in with the outfitting world. We're going to talk a little bit about um, getting out there with your client as a guide and what to expect from both the client and guide relationship. We're going to talk about uh, waterfowling, baby. That's like the number one thing that this episode is about is what a fowling. We're going to talk about duck hunting because kayakers, we know that you're not just into one sport, one passion. We open it up to multiple passions, multiple sports all the time. So sit back, relax, strap on your seat belts. We're going to get this thing started. A beautiful, uh, world-renowned where redfish bite every day around this pass, right? You're not a, you're not at home. You're you're at uh, just hanging out at the pub. So I went to the pub um, not only because a really good friend of my owns this place, but uh, again I put on my fanciest, best uh, performance hunting shirt, right? Because Columbia branched out a few years ago. And um, I said, all right, you know what, Nathan, I'm going to. It's we don't support while. Columbia on this show. Okay. Well, it's. The, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm waiting for uh, the bro uh, staff meetup so I can get a. Hopefully it's miserable and I can get some real, uh, real. Just get some swag, man. Just straight, straight off the bus. Just that's right. 
I'm hoping it's as shitty as it was before, and uh, we all need beanies again. Because... You know what's crazy though? It wasn't shitty at all. Like, no, it was cold <laughs> and windy, but we were out there just like hands in the air, you know, like woo, this is badass, yeah, yeah. Well, everything's having bad. a good time at 9:45 p.m. when you're 15 voodoo rangers deep <laughs> i'll <laughs> never live that down i guess <laughs> yeah well in your head it was all badass but we were all just like sitting around eating eating sausages and we're like dude this uh, guy we don't need to we don't need to talk about you eating sausages man <laughs> you were eating sausages we're looking at you and you're <laughs> we're fucking cold and you're over here like sausage and fire and voodoo ranger and we're like oh man this somebody now, make so so i can tell you um there's one part of what you're talking about that is absolutely ludicrous and that is eating sausage um because i don't really i don't get like the munchies whenever i'm drinking man and and i don't i don't like eating sausage uh you know i'm not you guys have a really um I don't know, man. Y'all like Drew and and you and and a lot of these fellas. Y'all have this palate for things like foods that are kind of bad for you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it 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 could be, but you know the story's not about me. <laughs> that, that like there is video evidence proving that there was a sausage thief running around in Matagorda that night. <laughs> like, we need to see this video. Unbeautiful <laughs> footage. Um, and if you would have seen yourself coming out of the makeshift tent that you had, right? It was, it was nice. You had some things worked out, but that morning, it 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 was just full of sausage face, man. <laughs> like, uh, the second it. the second part of bullshit here is <laughs> that I didn't even have a tent. <laughs> yeah, well, you brought you you brought the uh, I, I th with the pop up tent trailer. I think I don't remember if you had a tent on it or not because uh, we stayed up a I little. Dude, I slept in the I slept in the front seat of my truck. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. I was, I was so miserable. And like, I remember, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't puked since I was in like high school and it's, it's about to happen. And, uh, I, I walked to the front of my truck and I just like, just start hurling all over the place. And then I look up and it's like three o'clock in the morning. Okay. And I look up and Seth has no idea where he's at. <laughs> he's just walking around. And I'm going, dude, are you okay? And he's like, I got to make it back to my car. <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> Dude, I, I'll tell you what, though. I had such a good time. And I'm so looking forward. Um, you know, to what next... Not next week. It's it's coming up pretty soon. Yeah, not this weekend. It's the weekend following. So yeah, yeah. October first, um, Bro Staff Weekend. It's, it's it'll be a good one. We have uh, right now um, our 
Facebook invite shows that we have like 65, maybe 68 people interested in going and like, like 20 definites. Um, nope. So, you know, that that's probably close to what we had last time. Um, we probably had 25 or 30 people camping. Yeah. At the spot. But then like the next day, another 30 people rolled through just to fish, you know, 20 or 30 people rolled through just to fish. Well, it's, um, I can, I can, again, I don't know if, if you're just shooting B-roll, but, um, you know, I travel all over the place for these kayak tournaments, kayak events, ride the bull, Navarre beat, like all over the place. And that weekend for those two days, um, I mean, I would have to say that this, this is something that I wouldn't want to miss. Um, not because it's fancy or it's just real. Right. And I don't know. It's just that. And that's what we were supposed to do with like, even with this podcast is try to go like the no bullshit route. Mm -hmm. Um, try to keep it, try to keep it real. Um, you know, the first couple episodes we tried to script it and I was like, Oh, this is awful, man. You know, just just let this shit flow. And even you were like, hey, man, what about a, um, you know, do we have an outline of what we want to go through? And so you can have some talking points ready. And I'm like, sorry, dude, we, we don't format, you know, any shows that way. We just kind of have some ideas in our head and we let things uh, flow organically and, and wherever they go, they go. Um, we all have knowledge of the industry, some part that we should be able to talk a bit of the talk. Um I don't know if you're not a bunch of bullshit you should we you know what we got a lot of bullshit too man <laughs> and you know what's funny is if you listen to the episodes now all right so yeah this is you know started out b-roll stuff but you know what guys here we are um it's the paddler's playbook baby and we're here with matt murphy okay and honestly this episode is going to be about like the meat of this episode is waterfowling okay because it's that time of year man it's that time of year, and I, I'll I'll tell you what sparked me on it, but I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you later. Um, so going back to what I was saying, the people that we invite on this on the on the show to interview, those are the people that are the subject matter experts in this niche within a niche within a niche. You know, it's that we keep diving down into this niche, and it it's like it has all these multiple layers dude and every layer is super rich and has all this stuff that you can get into but we myself and drew can't always talk the talk to get into that particular subject neither drew or myself are waterfowlers okay i love shooting but i can't catch and release a duck <laughs> you know and What's that? I said that's part of the fun. Once the trigger's pulled, it it becomes animalistic, and it, you know now that's food. Right? So now, since you said that, like animalistic, like have you ever gone out on a hunt and like, all right, you must eat the heart of this animal that you have just killed, <laughs> and, <laughs> absorb oh, its soul, and you know it's. Uh, I mean that that that's part of the journey. That that's part of what makes I don't want to say taboo, or 
you know, you say drill down, drill down, drill down, drill down, but really what, what it boils down to is maybe taking a deeper level, deeper level, drill down, but then it becomes a passion and an obsession and a uh, something that absorbs everything from waking up early till, God, I'm going to pull another 30 minutes out here, even though it's 11 o'clock to see if, if we haven't limited out, if not, um, just watch them work, right? It, it's part of the dance that captures you in. But to say, have has a heart ever been eaten out there? <laughs> yeah. Has blood been uh, poured on your upon your face and war paint drawn upon your eyes? <laughs> put on, yeah, on, on a young hunter's face as a rite of passage. Um, you know, I won't either confirm or deny. Um, only because what happens in the duck blind stays in the duck blind, man. Oh, that sounds kind of gay, man. It's a hunt to hunt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Tim the tool man. But okay, look, before we before we go any further with that, we're gonna talk about um the waterfowling in a little bit. Um First, we're going to do some current event topics, man. Let's get into some politics. I'm just kidding. Let's not get into any politics, man. Um, that's not what this show is about. We don't get into politics. We don't get into religion. We don't get into uh, personal matters. Um, but so I did have a topic that I kind of wanted to dig into for a second. And it goes back to a post that I saw that you you put on on, on social media. And I knew that in a way you might have been just kicking the tires bullshitting a little bit um talking you know just riling up some of your pals uh because we all we all are in the same circle right oh yeah and and it, it was it was along the lines of how do i become a sponsored kayak angler <sighs> and i i was like yeah he might be just you know riling up folks but it came later on. You were like, man, I'm kind of serious about this post because I lost my outfitter. Yeah. You know, and here's the deal. We all lost an outfitter, right? I mean, people across the entire country lost an outfitter because those guys shipped to anywhere. You needed something, they'd ship to you. Um, Did that. I know you were already in a transition period in the things that you were doing as a kayaker, as an angler, as a hunter, you were already kind of in a transition period. Did that like really help move you in a specific direction whenever, whenever ACK closed their doors? You know, um, so being a, a business owner and a guide, um, you know, it, it added some clarity to what direction I wanted to move. But but to back up, um, so ACK, at least for me, was was more than a store, right? It was a community. Sure. Yeah. It was uh, a group of people through uh, commerce, right, in, in one way or another, had the same interest as me. Right. Um, you know, through that and being being on social media or just being present in events like that, um, I was able to connect with them to where it was 
it was almost like a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right? So well, that's what those relationships should be. They should be a give and take um, oh, relationship, yep. you know. And unfortunately, there are a lot of retail spaces out there that say, "Hey, I want you on my staff," but there really isn't a give and take relationship there. There's usually just a take, 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 give a little relationship. You know, I ACK think was about the lifestyle. A lot of that depends, though, on the angler and the reason they're in it, right? That's and, true, too. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've I've been kayaking for probably 20 years. And the past... What, since you were three? 23 nah. or 24, right? No, I'm, uh, I'll be 39 this year. Old ass. <laughs> not, not even... <laughs> That's the beauty of the sport. It doesn't matter what your age is. Um, you can still find a place or a passion or an area that a kayak serves you. But but what uh, what ACK did, I think, is it, it brought my desire to try to help people, right, through through an old, old little helpful podcast called Tackle Talk Tuesday. Tackle and, Talk Tuesday. <laughs> right? Before... Before Facebook podcasts were cool. We, we missed the tapping. <laughs> tapping of the pencils on the desk. Yeah, that's right. It was, <laughs> it was exciting. But, you know, what, what we found and when I, I talked to their staff at that time is they had the same passion of, of sharing what, what this, this podcast is about, right? The playbook to get out there and paddle or pedal and explore what's away from from the bank um, I think I think what what made it great um, was everybody that I met on their staff was infatuated right and if I had a hashtag I would hashtag that shit infatuated with how a kayak can allow you to broaden whether it's duck hunting or fishing or you like bird watching, exploring, um, they gave that avenue and they gave the excitement uh, to get people out there. And when they died, you know, I don't want to say a, a little bit of a little bit of me died, but a little bit of what Central Texas or Houston, Texas or Austin, Texas had in the kayaking community died with it. But like any industry, right, there's. When one dies, another one begins, someone picks up. And luckily for the sport, there was other people to take their place. So indeed. Uh, so are you are I'm I'm just curious now, are you still looking for uh, an outfitter, somebody that uh you can be a partner with in this industry that gives and takes just as you will as as well as you do? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. So I'm looking for a partner, and that's the key. Um, I think pro staff is overdefined, and I'm not looking for titles. And, right. uh, you know, again, talking about me, 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 that's not really really what I I like to do. I, I know what I'm capable of. I know where I go out and do. Um, and to find the right fit for me and my family and where I'm at right now is not – it's not going to be an outfitter that needs me to post a picture every time I catch a fish. Right. Right. And I may not fit the market mold that people are looking for um, because it, it has to be a two way street. Um, 
it doesn't it, it's not a, a one-way street for a title of pro staff which means absolutely nothing to me being a business owner a guide somebody that lives on the water in a kayak uh, a title doesn't make a person catch a fish you may catch fishermen which in in commerce business that's what happens but um, yeah, there's not 40,000 colors of baits because fish eat 40,000 colors of bait. You and I have talked, right? My philosophy on that is there's either light or dark. <laughs> That's right. Natural or unnatural. Natural, unnatural. And you put it in front of a red fish's face, they're going to eat it regardless of what it is, right? Yeah. If you're not catching fish, it's because there's no fish around. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to be difficult for me because of my own selfish... I wouldn't even call it selfish, but the own guidelines that I've set for myself and being able to promote my own business um, and and seeing if I can do that with a right fit or a right partner may be difficult because the pool of individuals who will sell their soul for a title. All their time. Yeah, all their time is... is is not what I'm after in this stage of my my life or my paddling career. Like you work for NASA, I work for United Healthcare. This is a passion that we do on the side um, because we love it, not because we love the title. We're going to do it anyways. So this is this is a, actually a conversation, a piece of a conversation that Drew and I have. And it's usually a quarterly conversation. And you know what? It's not even like, hey, we need to have this conversation every quarter. It's just a conversation that pops up. Mm -hmm. And this is how it usually goes. Yo, man, I kind of feel a little guilty. We haven't done any like social media stuff, man. We haven't gotten out and, and pulled our cameras out and, you know, videoed, you know, fishing and catching fish and being wild and being crazy. We haven't taken a lot of pictures, you know. Mm -hmm. We don't do shit for hashtags, man. We need to hire like a social media person to run our social media, bro. We need somebody on our Instagram. We need somebody on our Facebook, man. Do we, can we find some interns? These are the conversations that we have. And it's like every now and then after this conversation, we, we kind of get grounded and come back to reality and go, but that's why we do the podcast because all the other stuff is not what we're about. Yeah. Do it. If I take pictures and if I take video of something, honestly, it's usually for myself. It's for my, um, my own personal library of moments that I've captured digitally. And I do share them with the world, but it's not really so that I can be that, that pro staff you know yeah but you're not you're not beating your chest about it you know what i mean it's right it's it's for it's for you it's on your terms it's not on somebody else's terms to meet a quota right? now the reality is we need all types oh yeah absolutely i think everybody has their place um i mean being in sales for so many years i i know what it costs to advertise and if somebody is willing to advertise for free for a T-shirt, like I must, I'm gonna suck you up. Let me put you in a United Healthcare T-shirt. Right, walk around with. I'll, <laughs> hey. make, I'll make you a hundred and ten dollar jersey, and I want you to walk around every event. Like 
go for it. Dude, yeah. a decade a decade and a half ago, the most popular um marketing technique or tool that came about was tattoos. Oh godly, oh, don't bring that back. <laughs> do you remember that? Like people were were selling the backsides of their heads. Mm-hmm. And they were and talking and, about and, on this one. Let's just solve all the world's problems today. <laughs> <laughs> you know but that conversation you know, I remember I remember that time um I hope you don't have an apple tattoo somewhere on your body that's just <laughs> or a I have tattoos I have lots of tattoos man but they they're all mine not not a single one of them were sold for marketing purposes except for one yeah <laughs> built ford tough yeah. <laughs> it's on my ass <laughs> <laughs> you know you know, I, I think what makes it great now is there's so many people in the mold. I think what the marketing community needs is maybe somebody that's not in that mold, but has personal experience and clout behind what he's talking about um, it, to be a true representative of whatever brand you're selling. You know, there's there's nothing more personable uh, than being able to spend time on the water six, seven hours, um, and where you can put your money where your mouth is and talk oh, about yeah. it and show a product or teach a product, which in, in in the scheme of of life, believing in something, believing in a product, telling a client about a product because they can see it in action where it works, I think creates way more of a relationship between pick a product abc and that client to where you're not getting an impulse buy a one time i want to fit in with the mold i'm buying it because everybody's buying it but because then they themselves become a true believer in that product and then you've gained a lifetime customer it costs more to lose the customer that you've already gained than it does to create a new one especially if they're going to be repeat buyers in an industry where someone believes in a color or a shape or a paddle, whether it's a fluke uh, or a, a paddle tail or a sea shad. Um, I can guarantee you I have my favorites. And when someone finds something they feel comfortable have been successful with, they're going to buy it as long as that product is available out there to the consumer. You know it. Drew cries every time he can't find mantis shrimp. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I, I can't I, find any anywhere, man. <laughs> but I'm probably doing myself any favors here either. You know, listeners, you'll probably notice that when I asked Matt the question, I asked him using a term that actually means something, and that term that I used was outfitter. Okay, and if you're when when I say Matt, are you looking for another outfitter? I'm not talking about are you looking for a pro staff position with a kayak company? No, I'm I'm talking about for your business, okay? And and that's a different category, I believe. Whenever you're actually um, guiding people, and you need to outfit your entire business, and you need to be in a relationship with these companies which products you use to take your clients out on the water i believe in that i believe that if you're a su successful guide 
you should have a business relationship with an outfitter. And most, most successful guides that I know do. Um, for instance, um, Dean Thomas has a very successful relationship with Fishing Tackle Unlimited. Um, and that is his outfitter. When ACK was around, you had a very successful relationship with Austin Canoe and Kayak. Yeah, and one, one, yeah, it was one stop shop. So basically you could take, get all of your gear from Austin canoe and kayak. I mean, everything kayaks, uh, fishing rods, fishing reels, uh, apparel, um, head, headwear, eyewear, uh, you name it. Mm-hmm. And when you take your clients out on a trip, a fishing trip and, you know, they ask you, Hey, do you feel comfortable all day long in that seat? Or, Hey, how do you feel about wearing long sleeves all day when it's so hot outside? What shirt is that? Or, you know, you have handed them a rod and reel to use for that day and they've slayed fish on it. And they're like, man, I just love this rod and reel. You know, tell me more about it, Matt. Well, You know, not only can you like tell them where to go to purchase this stuff, but you're considered the product expert at that point. You're on the water with your client. And and they're they're touching, feeling, using, catching, reeling. There's so so many erotic words you're using there, Matt. (laughs) How dirty down the rabbit hole do you want to go? You know. Of course. But, but again, then again, it's, you know, that's something I'm passionate about and I'd like something because it works. I don't like something because everybody's doing it. Um, I like something or I like an outfitter, for example, because when I recommend something to someone, whether it be a bait or a tackle or a big conglomerate, like, like ACK was, I mean, a part of my recommendation, a part of my name, uh, a part of what they feel uh, I am goes with it. And the trust relationship, partnership versus title uh, has way more meaning at that point because you put your name on it. You're, you're referring someone. It's like hiring someone, you know what I mean? You bring somebody into a company, you're hiring them, you put your name on them, you refer them. If they're a fuck up, well, somehow down the line, that that kind of gets to you. And ACK was at the time the outfitter that I believed in, and I would have, I would, I would put my name on them still to this day uh, because I trusted them wholeheartedly. I was grateful for their support, and it was a mutual beneficial relationship. Um, and I mean, that's what. That's what I'm open to discussions for to this day. But we've we've got to be good dancing partners. I don't fit the mold. You got yeah. You got to be able to tango with yeah with Matt here. That's what it is. And it it uh, you know that's a that's a I myself really good here, but I you no know, you know honest. that's a uh, a term that my dad always used whenever he was always talking about you know 
he's he always wanted to lecture me on relationships because relationships were probably one of the most important things that you build in your life. You can build a house and it can fall down super easy, but you just it's material thing. You just go and build it right back up. But building a relationship and if that relationship should fall yeah. and that relationship should crumble, it is much more difficult to pick up the pieces and put it back together. A lot of times those relationships get ruined and they're gone. So he would always talk about building relationships as if you are two dancers. And the dance has to be done perfectly. You know, it's got, it's got to be, um, he used so many terms to, to describe this, but anyway, <laughs> the, analogy, the dad was, Oh dude. <laughs> and he used to always tell me, I'm not lecturing you, son. I'm sharing. <laughs> Yeah, but as you get older in life, and your daughter gets older too, right? Sure, I use the same thing on her. I'm not lecturing yeah. you; I'm sharing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you you dance with, you dance with a girl you brought to the prom with always, and well, uh, you did a lot of things with the girl you brought to prom. But you know, again, how how what 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 rating, what rating <laughs> this one? Uh, this po- this our podcast is never rated for everyone. Okay, so I, I can openly uh, talk like a sailor. <laughs> we asked that the f bombs stay to a minimum, but we had Chris Fowler on here um, for the last episode, and every other word out of his mouth was was an f bomb. <laughs> Chris Fowler's actually, or no? Okay, yeah, Chris Fowler. Him and I, uh, we live in the same place, so yeah, I like that Rockport too. Um, but no, going back, you dance, you dance with a girl you brought because she wanted to be there with you. And that goes back to the outfitter relationship. You know, they're in it for the long haul. Because they want to be there with you. Because they want to be there with you. And they, they want you to succeed. You want them to succeed. And that's what makes it mutually beneficial. It's not, it's not because you made the cutest homecoming sign. No, absolutely Ask not. Her out. Look, let's all make <laughs> money together, but, don't lie. Don't be deceitful. Believe in the products that you recommend to me. And uh, a, a product's worth speaks for itself, um, regardless of what it is. And the key with ACK was they were the provider or the gateway to so many other companies um, that it was almost a one-stop shop, right? You didn't have to Amazon Prime, and hopefully everything gets in one shipment. It was, you walk in, they can get you squared away, and you can walk away tomorrow with the same gear that you were touching today with me. Yeah, yeah, for real, man. So, um, in parallel with the outfitter, but starting to take a step away from that discussion, You've been a fishing guide for quite some time, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> fisherman, and, right? The guide it, part just allows me to take money. It it does. So first, I mean, first off, you have to there's a lot of people out there that say, I want to be a fishing guide. And they just, they go, that you can go to a captain school and you can get your your license to become a guide and not know shit about fishing. Um, kayaking is a little bit different. You do not have to have a captain's license to, um, 
guide people on a kayak. What you need is what a paddler's safety course, a couple other things that are important, but not as rigorous. I believe so. So I, I'm I'm a licensed Coast Guard captain uh, because something that uh, No Way Coastal Guide Service wanted to offer was the ability to take kayakers farther than in one of the. So you wanted your OUPV. Yeah. So I have an OUPV, but a reason behind it because my passion is the plastic navy is there's areas around here that are so fruitful. We won't and, talk about those in name. Oh, no, of course not. As a <laughs> tournament fisherman, secrets stay with me unless, you know, I'm getting some royalty off this podcast or something. I uh, don't even get royalties. <laughs> <laughs> but you got a beanie from Real Sportswear, baby. Hey, that thing was worth its weight in gold. <laughs> yeah, it sure was, man. Like, yeah, I won't even say what I would have gave for that. Uh, <laughs> But Inch rounds were free that night. Oh, goodness. <laughs> they, they were plentiful. Um, but, you know, I, I found myself with the love of the water. Um, I love a kayak, but I, I love all aspects of fishing. So, um, you know, for a couple months, I found myself back behind St. Joe's Island. And uh, a boat has limitations that you can overcome in a kayak. I'm way more comfortable in a kayak than I'm in a boat. Um, it's, it's way more personable in a kayak than in a boat. And I found myself using my boat to mothership my kayak across the bay to then park my boat, you know, say a little sauna sauna, hopefully nobody steals this shit and then jump in my kayak, go back and explore. And, you know, that that's a big part of my business to i guess tailor to the kayaker that wants to maybe get untouched water or untouched water from the normal recreational kayaker um and get farther away from those kayakers that have that battery power like a texas power paddle or torquedo or any of the others that can that can make a difference in the day i, I you want to go farther that's why all of us started in the kayak. Let's go farther than the bank. Let's go farther. Let's go shallower. Here's what's funny about that. We all, and you hear this story, especially on this podcast a lot. I'm going to let you get back to it. I know I'm, I'm the king of interrupting people. So I love bear it. With me. Get it. <laughs> so we all say, man, we're on the bank fishing. We're like looking at this guy going, or this area going, man, if I just had a kayak, if I just had a kayak, I could get over to that other spot over there and i know the fishing is so much better over there it's gotta be just look at that spot so you go and buy a kayak and you go to that spot and then you realize the game is now completely different why stop there so then you know you kayak for a long time and you you learn that game and then you go man but if i only had a boat if i had a boat i could get over there and that spot over there is it's got to be really good man it looks so you, like the one we're at <laughs> yeah there's something different about it so you get the boat and then you get all the way over there and you realize the game has changed oh yeah 
And now you have to learn the game all over again, just like you did whenever you bought that kayak. And what you're describing right now, you know, like you didn't just say, I'm going to buy a boat. I'm going to buy a kayak so I can go fish this spot. And then you see another spot and you go, I need to have a boat to go fish that spot. Instead, you're like, I'm going to mothership this plastic beast across the bay to that island because I know that spot looks good. And you know, it's hard to fish St. Joe without something shallow, though. Yeah, Lee, it sure is. But what's funny is my my journey was a little backwards. So um, I bought a boat first and realized I've, I had a kayak again, you know, the same story. What was your first kayak? Blah, blah, blah. You, you Everybody heard this thing. Go back to last year when I was on. You hear my my first kayak story. Um but it I had a, a it was a Pelican 160. It, it, was, <laughs> it was a Pelican once from Academy, and they gave me a title for it. You got a t- Academy, yeah. They're they're kind of weird about some stuff like that. I got a title for it, and I I still have it, and I sold that bitch too, and I never gave him the title. Suck what, <laughs> dude? I'm I'm calling teeth PWD on you, man. <laughs> yeah, no, please don't, please don't. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just at hook and ladder outside right now, and and the staff came out and asked if I need another refreshment beverage. They're they're great here, they really are. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I had a boat first, and when you know catching fish from a boat, and you're on your skiff often. Right, you're getting old. Your knees are hurting, Chris. You're what? You're, you're almost, you're almost what? out of the game now, right? You're gonna change this to the skiff playbook or something pretty soon. Um, but my journey was backwards, and uh, I bought a boat to fish, and it just wasn't as personable as I wanted. And again, going back to your dad's story, the dance wasn't as sweet as it is in a kayak. So. Uh, long story short, yeah, I, I funnel people anywhere that they want um, only because we got to keep getting away. We got to keep exploring. I think it's in our DNA to go farther, push farther, um, explore untouched water just to see what's around the bend. It's it's in a, a lot of person's DNA. I can't say that it's in everyone's DNA. There are a lot of people out there that just do not prefer to adventure. And this is this is the rough part about knowing people is that you can't always share your passion with everyone. Well, there's hunters and gatherers for a reason, man. Indeed. Indeed. Um so going back to fishing and being a fishing guide. Um, obviously, you know, we've talked to you before on this podcast in the tournament aspect. Okay. Matt as a tournament fisherman. Um, in fact, you've been Matt, the tournament director as well. Um, oh, that one, that's going to bring up a really good topic here. We'll talk about in a minute. Did you see my video the other day? Um, I I did a little live and it was kind of, it was kind of a spoof live. Okay. Because something that happened earlier in the day, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, but how important is it 
for you and your clients, I know it's important for you. Okay. Let's take that out of the equation. How important is it for your clients to see and catch fish every time they go out with you? You know, it's, so I poll people, right? I, I think my you goal. poll them like P-O-L-L. Yeah, no, P-O-L. Like I, well, I ask questions on yeah. feet from how their experience was. Um, and, it, you know, surprisingly, people like you and I, you would think that the most important factor of the fishing trip is filling a stringer or catching fish or, or, you know, killing it, murdering them, right? Because we love catching fish and that's what brought us into this industry somehow, whether it's podcasts to teach people or podcasts to guide to taking people out. But, you know, what I found is I think the, the most feedback that I get is the freedom that people feel the experience, the closeness to touch the water, the, if I caught a fish, which half the time people, you know, that's a byproduct of the entire experience of seeing a dolphin come up and blow its air hole or being able to maybe see a wake in the water from the water moving a different way. And the hope that it's something more than a, a mullet or a black drum, um, my job as a guide, I want everybody to kill as many fish as they can. Right, because it matter it matters to you. See, it matters. That's why I took it out of the equation. I was like, wait a second, no, yeah. I got to take it out of the equation. It matters to the guide whether or not their clients catch fish that day. It does. It does. But but, but again, the, what I found when I I talk to people because look, I I always want to get better. I always want to provide a better sure. experience. Um, and I I want to take a an analysis of what a really, realistic approach, right? Um, if they see a telling redfish, if they see something they haven't seen close up that a kayak can provide them, um, it's, 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 it's to me, it's mind boggling, but the trip is, is always positive or the feedback I've received has always been positive. Um, to where there's more to this that I don't fully understand. And just being honest with you, right. I don't, I don't know everything about it, but I'm learning and I'm trying to understand it. It's, it's just being out there and seeing the world from a different view from outside of a boat, closer, quieter, and more personable, um, is what most people enjoy. The fish is just a byproduct, and we talk about that all the time, right? Duck hunting, we talk about that. You shoot a few ducks, that's just a byproduct of why we're out there. You go fishing with friends, you catch a few fish, that's really just the byproduct of of being yeah. out there. I, I saw your latest adventure in duck hunting, and you can definitely tell from the photographs that shooting... Actually, shooting the ducks was a byproduct because for some reason, y'all had your shirts off and you were acting, <laughs> y'all were disco dancing in the marsh. <laughs> hey, look, so we, we've got a running joke here. Uh, at least 
for me in Central Texas, and I've been I've been duck hunting twenty years down here. Early teal is it, it's a practice, right for for the big game that starts November fifth. Um, our teal season gets really heavy, or we'll shoot a lot of teal uh, come regular season. At least that's been my experience for over twenty years. Um, but part of it is having fun, you know, like. We're in a mosquito-infested marsh, right? It's just rained for 14 days straight down here. It's just it's nasty. It's boggy. It's humid. It's nasty. It's 90 degrees. You're covered with a mixture of off and cutter. And if you're lucky enough to have a wife that has skin so soft at the home, you may put a squirt or two on that, right? Uh, to where it's just a cocktail of toxins to keep these blood sucking beasts away <coughs> and you get to a point in the duck blind to where you're like fuck it like if we're shooting ducks let's shoot them shirtless <laughs> you know what i mean like we're gonna do this book ass naked <laughs> <laughs> you know i won't i won't put any names but there may have been a you know a few voodoo rangers involved um, and at one point in time, again, going back to Paller's playbook, you were shirtless running around <laughs> screaming fire. And somehow you came with a volleyball with a handprint on it. Uh, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, you know, this is, this is the, this is the preseason to what I consider our central Texas coast. Um, you know, the, the regular season start. So. We go out there, work out kinks. We have a good time. Um, I don't book any trips for early till because You're I just out there for fun, for fun. Okay. Yeah, the, early till for me is always fun. Regular duck season is when my calendar starts to fill up. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Hold on. Oh, oh, sorry, we, sorry. Stop. We're we're not at Waterfowler yet. So what are we doing? I, I need to go. I need to go back. Um, one of the things. Okay, you said two things and one of them i are i already rem i remember um the other one i'm still trying to remember what it was but you know i asked you if it matters for your uh, your clients and it brings to mind a story that i've heard scott knoll tell a few times about how he got his start in guiding and when he first was just was just a fisherman fishing in galveston and he was fishing out of just a an aluminum flat bottom boat, cruising all around these shorelines. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to get a skiff and I'm going to start fishing shallow out of a skiff. So he did that. And people thought he was absolutely insane. But he did that because he spoke with someone in, I guess, another region, I believe. And they said, no, look, our clients are happy to get a shot. Oh, yeah. At a redfish. And, and, you know, people are coming away from these from these uh, charters saying or these these, you know, four, six hour, you know, fishing trips saying, man, I had a shot at 10 redfish. Did you land one? Hell no. But I had a shot at 10. Yeah, it's because you know, that. Yeah, that's their passion at that point. It's like. You had a great day kind of 
a little closer to the water, a little closer to nature, a little more intimate with your surrounding. You actually saw the fish. Um, you had a shot at it. That's a part of the game right there. That's a part of the experience. And that's what made it easy for him to transition into guide. Mm-hmm. But finding that clientele might be the difficult part. So whenever you're finding your clientele, are you finding people that are like first time kayakers or maybe a mixture of first time kayakers and first time fishermen? You know, look, it's, it's difficult. My goal is not sustainable. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, I can literally work myself out of a repeat client, right? I'm putting you in a plastic boat that you can afford yourself. Sure. Yeah. If yeah. You can book a trip with me and we're literally going on a kayak. I'm not mothershipping you across the bay. Um, you know, buy yourself a kayak and repeat what we did today. Um, so so it, 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 it's not su- sustainable. But I, I think what people people pay for as a guide is it's a service industry and experience. Fish move. Um, the only difference that we provide is we're on the water a lot. And we can provide patterns. We can provide this is where the fish are today to give you your best shot. But, you know, at the end of the day, my clientele, are it's, it's a mixed bag. It's new folks right that are they want to see if they like it and if they do like it i'm sending them to an outfitter to go buy it and i'm so happy if i see them again in the same spot i saw them before right because i passed on something that they didn't have a family member to be able to pass on to them this little bit of legacy of matt murphy may live in their dna somewhere along the lines the other half is um, Dang! What kind of trips are you are you d- giving people away your DNA? Damn! No, you know, I mean, <laughs> fuck, acid's tough, dude. Like <laughs> that shit will stay in your spine forever. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know, the way that you say that is is so true, man. Um, and put things into perspective, okay? Before there were back in. I'm going to use the 90s, but although it goes back way before that, we can go 70s, 80s, it doesn't matter. But whenever there were fishing charters, um, so what guides would do when there was not electronics, the, like the, the electronics that you and I have today, okay, when there was not this modern technology that we have today, they would pick up their, their group from a, um, from a boat dock. And they would make a freaking long ass run, dude. Right. And they, it wouldn't matter really how far they had to go. Just as long as they confused their client enough to where the client didn't know exactly where they were going fishing. Okay. That was a tactic that was used by many, if not all charter captains. Mm -hmm. People would be like passing by docks going, damn, I know that dock. Why didn't we launch at that one? You know, we're so we're so far away from where we launched at. But that was a tactic by the captain. Then came modern electronics. Okay, 
And people, I remember captains would be like, we're checking your shit before you get on the boat. Oh, I remember those days, man. Yeah, because we do not want you bringing a GPS, a handheld GPS unit. That big-ass, bulky, cell-phone-looking GPS unit. <laughs> yeah. Remember? <laughs> remember those, man? And they had big-ass antennas on them, too. But they were like, we're going to check your shit to make sure that you're not, you know, marking coordinates while we're going out to these spots. Nowadays, charter captains, and I, you know, I, I use that term because I don't know if it's still being used, but. Uh, you, you, know. you do what you want. It's your show, man. So it, it, they'll pick you up 50 yards from where you're going to fish. <laughs> it's, it's like they can no longer play that game because. You can t- you can tell your phone to track your every mo- movement, no matter where you're at. So they can't necessarily say, "I'm not going to allow this client to you know track where we're going." And what you're saying is, you're giving away a little bit of that knowledge on the kayak side. There's no way that you can really. Um, throttle any of that. Well, Chris, you have I'm, to give it all to them. I've been giving away knowledge because I I love everything about this since my first Tackle Tuesday podcast. Right, it's no different. Uh, Indeed, you know the, the it, it's funny. Like you can take someone somewhere and you can show them the experience and they have a great time. You have a great time. There's laughs, there's banter, they catch fish or or they don't catch fish. Um, But what I found over these years, and it it may be cliche, but um, fish move. And I think the best thing you can do as a paddler's guide that uses primarily artificial baits is there's technique behind it that you can't teach in one outing or two outings or three outings, right? There's a, they're not going to duplicate our tournament catches, right? So they may get lucky, um, but it's not going to be, five or six eight pound redfish or if you if uh you know another guy and i hook up for a a fun day and we're posting pictures on facebook just because we've had too many beers right most of these people or clients or potential anglers um they may not be able to reproduce that and i say that and it sounds harsh but the truth and reality is, is there's a reason that people are tournament anglers and they're able to win is because the time on the water, the technique that you learn over time, you can't be a good welder overnight. If you bought yourself a welder, the same thing as a fisherman or fisherwoman. Um, Just some because of the- you go out and buy all the stuff that you used with Matt Murphy on, you know, one of his no wake charters. Did you, you know, become a fisherman overnight. Uh, oh, and that may not even be reproduced on a trip with me. One thing right. I will guarantee is we're going to have a goddamn good time. Right. And I'll show you something you haven't seen. 
whether it's duck hunting or fishing, um, it's 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 all about experience, man. It really is. Let's experience something new, and if I can capture that on camera while you're experiencing it, that one still photo, the same same methodology that SeaWorld or Fiesta Texas uses as you're going down that roller coaster. If I can capture that photo of you doing something great or seeing pure joy and you can relive that every time you pull that photo out or every time Facebook says this happened a year ago. Oh yeah. That that's 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 the clientele I want to take with me. I really do because it, it we're going to have a blast and I'm going to smile just as big as you're smiling when I see that come up again on my Facebook. The, the power of, of just a simple photograph is uh, often overlooked in this business. Um, and guides need to be, uh, guides need to be more personable, man. There's a lot of guides out there that are not personable and they're just, you know, meat haulers. They just want to go get you out there, catch as many fish as possible, put them in the ice chest and then drop your butt back off. Yeah. Um, if that's what you want to do, then fine. Kayak fishing and hiring a kayak guide is probably not that type of event, not that type of day. You're probably going to spend more time talking about, uh, you know, spoonbills and, um, you know, the type of, of wildlife that you see while you're out there and why the wildlife is there and what it's actually doing. And I just remembered the second part of what we were, what we were, uh, whenever you were talking showing your your clients an experience okay something new something different to them that they may have never experienced before um i used to have this guy that i fished with in fact we only stopped fishing together because of covid and he's very um he, he did not like what covid was doing around the world so he kind of shut down a lot of his his contact with people but he would always say hey chris what time are we fishing and i would be like man i want to be on the water like at 4 a.m Oh yeah, he's like, bro. Why four a.m.? Like, the sun isn't up for another two and a half hours. I'm like, trust me. We're yeah. gonna get out there, and you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see the world wake up. Yeah, and that's after, a experience, man. After a few times of doing that, now he's like, dude, I'm in it. If I'm going out now, I'm going out before the sun wakes up. I'm going to watch things come alive. I'm going to watch the world wake up with me in the middle of it. Thank you. And I wish I had beer service here. Shit, man. Well, <laughs> I don't even have any beer. Man, you got to be a hook and ladder. They, um, they, they take care of you. I, you know, I have not. I've spent a lot of time in Aransas Pass. I spent a lot of time in Rockport. I spent a lot of time in Corpus Christi. I've never been to hook and ladder. Um, I'll make sure to be... You know, stop in there next time I go. Uh, one place that I always go to, though, is the coffee shop in Rockport. Um, no, not Duck Blime. Um, it is um, Daily Drip. Okay. The Daily Drip. Yeah. They, they have a... She gets up early every morning and makes fresh biscuits. Maple Ooh. and bacon, fresh biscuits, dude. And like the maple and the bacon is baked into the biscuit. And it's just freaking 
unreal, man, how delicious they are. Slap your mama good? Yeah, bro. Pretty pretty much. <laughs> so I don't think I'd ever slap my mama, but well, you know, using that analogy, I just might. Um, <laughs> so, you know, fishing in Rockport right now, talking with uh, Chris Fowler the other day, you know, he said that the fall pattern really hasn't exposed itself. The water's still very warm, very high 80s, almost 90 degrees out there. Um, and I tried to ask him, you know, what happens during the fall run? Um, or or the patterns that start to emerge when you're you're fishing in in the Rockport Port Aransas area, whether it be redfish, flounder, trout, sheep's head, whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, I know that you're primarily a redfish guy, okay? And that's honestly this podcast we talk about redfish more than any other type of fishing. Let's talk about something else, then. Okay, are you a trout fisherman? Uh, no. What about flounder? Yeah, so um, I'm a flounder fisherman, not by passion. You're a flounder fisherman by redfish bycatch. (laughs) I'm a fisherman because my wife... And my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. Ah, you you have people that love to eat flounder in your family, so they're like and it's clean white, great meat. You get four fillets. It's it, it flounder fishing here for me is almost a way to sample what the redfish are doing. Really? But, oh, you're gonna have to explain that. Yeah, well, you know. I thought this was a duck episode, man. I thought we were talking about water. We're getting there. Look, we're only at an hour. These episodes are usually two hours long. Well, I might I might have to take a pee-pee break here in a minute. <laughs> You're going to have to cut that shit while I go inside. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll record a commercial during that time. All right. So um, why flounder fish are a byproduct, at least for me and, and my fishing style. Um, so, you know, I'll start that off as... Uh, kind of how I talked about everything in my podcast, right? There's no wrong or no right, right? Some people are flounder fishermen. Some people are redfish fishermen. I don't like to label myself as one species. I like catching all fish. You're a all fisherman. Fish. I'm a fisherman. Um, but I, I've been able to tell, at least in our water, right? What I'm trying to sample are these redfish hitting something that's burning, Right, I'm burning a bait, casting it out, long cast, burning it back in quick to where that paddle tail or whatever I'm using it's is not really dry. Yeah, it's, it's violent. I want them to react. I want them to chase it down. I want to see that weight come behind it to where I know that, God, I better either keep it going or I better slow down. But um, when none of that's working, I switch to the the old slow and drop and twitch, almost the same technique as if someone had to explain to someone to work a corky, right? Cast it out, let it drop, reel it in a couple times, twitch, 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 you're bouncing it off the bottom. It's the most no, boring fishing ever. It, it It's boring, it sucks, but sometimes that's that's the style they want, right? They're already fooled, they're bedded down, like Chris Fowler was saying last week, the water's like 100 degrees. 
You'll have to beep that out. Uh, nah. Yeah, all right. Let's roll with it. Uh, <laughs> it. It's just hot, right? To where if you didn't catch them early in the day when they're out being active and you're finding them or trying to find them to see if an area, again, is going to be fruitful for a tournament situation. Um, if burning's not working because they're not chasing bait or dolphining down a, a slough, um, you, you got to switch it up. And if you switch it up and I start catching flounder, um, you catch one, I can guarantee you there's going to be another. You catch another, I can guarantee you there's going to be another. Where there's and, one, there's two. Where there's two, there's three. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I am, I am a full believer on that. Um, and it may be in the exact same spot where you cast the last one, right? Uh, but right now, I am catching a shit ton of flounder. And right now, yeah, right now in Central Texas, like I'm preparing right now for the elite tournament next weekend in you know South Padre Island, and I'm trying to determine if I'm going to make the drive. Or if I'm going to book up and head down to South Padre and fish down there. And most of my scouting has been just killing flounder to where my in-laws are like, don't bring me any more flounder. We got <laughs> My freezer's full. Cut it out. Well, you, you can't. You catch a flounder. You can't let it go, man. <laughs> like That's, that's it's blas- gold. <laughs> yeah, it's blasphemy. Like, literally. So... Uh, there's a there's a bunch a bunch of flounder that I'm catching while looking for redfish, only as a byproduct of changing my technique to try to see if they're laying down in mud. And this is sloughs, this is grass lines, this is crash points, this is ambush points, this is mouths of sloughs as tides coming out, and you can see the top of the water rippling to where you know it's pushing hard. It's transition points from hard sand in the marsh to mud. It's from mud to grass. Like there's flounder everywhere. So, and, and you're saying you're saying that there is a correlation between finding all this flounder and the redfish bite heating up. Oh no! Yeah, absolutely. Um, because if I'm finding flounder closer to some of these mouths. Or closing closer to some of these areas where a normal, and I say normal, right? Things are changing, but normal patterns that are beneficial throughout the year to tournament winning success. I know the tide's higher and these redfish are pushed back into the grass. That means you got to go deeper. That means you got to go shallower. And that means... you're literally going to be seeing them grass walk in. You've got to go deeper, like deeper into the marsh, not deeper. Yeah. Deeper into the marsh. And when you find them, you're going to find them bunched up. Um, but they're, they're going to be walking on grass, man. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's hard to say there's no wrong or no right. Right. How I interpret how the water's speaking to me is going to be different than, Dean Thomas, it's going to be different from people that fish different areas. Um, there's nothing like experience on the water and be able to connect a fish's activity, whether it's the one you're after or the one you're looking for. But they're all hints and clues 
that lead you to hopefully find the fish you're looking for. Um, hopefully this podcast comes out after Saturday, but they're super. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not broadcasting this one until Tuesday. So you're good. Perfect. perfect. Because right now they are, they're literally walking on the grass because the tide has been so high and all the fiddler crabs have been pushed up. That's what's in their bellies right now. All the shrimp have been pushed up. And if they're smaller shrimp that they're eating, they've been hugging grass and, it, it, it's, hey, it's those damn shrimp eating redfish though they never gain any weight no that, and that's why i started with filler crabs like, <laughs> um those those blue crab and filler crab eating redfish are what you and i like when we've got money on the line um, i like or, the ones that have been gorging on shad oh i like the ones that have been gorging on uh Anything that causes them to suck up a bunch of mud. <laughs> you know, the ones that crash. That's in- interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They're Fine. face down in the mud. Just, yeah, just gobbling that stuff up. Yeah. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, that, that adds to the weight. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, do you need to take a quick break and come back and talk some waterfowling? Or are you ready to get started on that, man? You know, guys, uh, Jess is also off <laughs> for the uh, for the week. Um, hell, we might even give her another week off because I know she's going to have her hands full. So look, for just a moment here, you're going to have to bear with beautiful me um, and giving you some pointers and tips about what's going on out there in our retail spaces, the supporters of the Paddler's Playbook. Now, you know, you guys have heard me talking about Mariner Sales being one of the outfitters that I've used for years. Um, They are a retailer that not only provides kayaking, but also all the kayaking accessories that you could possibly ever want, need, or enjoy. And in fact, back in the day, and I'm talking, mm, 15 years ago or so, um, there were things that I needed uh, through-hole wiring kits and, and such that you could not just readily buy at any store. Mariner Sales had them. They always had them in stock. These guys have an overload of product hanging all over, all over all of their walls. I can pretty much guarantee you if you're looking for it, they've got it. Alright guys, coming up here on the 28th of September, something really special, something really cool, straight from Red Tail Optics. That's right, you know they are my eyewear product of choice, that is what I use, that is what a lot of Texas coastal fishermen use while they're out on the water, not only to see fish, but also protect their vision from harmful UV rays. On the 28th of September, which will be one day after this episode drops. Wait, is that right? What's today? 27th. Yeah, one day, man. Wednesday of next week. So 28th of September, you're going to have to log into Facebook. Go to the Facebook page, Red Tail Republic or Red Tail Optics. Look them up. There's going to be a special gift for every single person that logs in and checks out Optics. Huge sale, guys. Huge sale. I guarantee you, if you've been looking for a brand new pair of sunglasses, you're going to pick them up during this sale. 
You know, we're only a couple days away from the Bro Staff Camping Fish. That's right, baby. And real sportswear is going to be there to represent. You know, the last time we were out there at Matagorda, we kept everybody's big old bean heads warm with those real sportswear beanies. And this year will be no different. We'll have plenty of gear to hand out. You just got to show up, be there for some raffle tickets, and win, guys. We're going to have the real sportswear gear. We're going to have the Mariners sales gear. We're going to have um, plenty of stuff from Pure Fishing that would be you know, probably tons of Berkeley. Go for thing. Guys, I'm struggling with these commercials. <laughs> Can we please bring Southside Jess back? <laughs> Roll that beautiful bean footage. And now new from the Paddler's Playbook, we've got dun, 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 Hims and Hers. Balance out your sex life with pills. Ah, <laughs> oh, you just had to dig into that one, didn't you? And there he is, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. What's up, what's up, what's up, Matt Murphy here. Come Matt Murphy. Murphy. This hook and ladder pub. So, kayak waterfowling. Waterfowling within itself is already kind of a fast and furious, just, I mean, crazy, outrageous sport. And I say that because most of the guys that are waterfowlers only get to do it for a very small portion of time during the year. So it's like there's a freaking fever behind it, right? Oh, there yeah. is a there is a fever behind waterfowling that once people catch it, it's, they it, they lose their wives, they lose their dogs. No, they can't lose their dogs. The dogs are very important. They might lose their truck, you know. <laughs> they lose a lot of things in life because it is the only thing in front of them at that moment i'm being dramatic there no you're not you're you're either a waterfowler or you're not right it's um there's no in between matt come on no there really isn't um you know the, the thing in texas is that waterfowl season starts the same day deer season starts and if you're a hunter and most waterfowlers or duck hunters that I've met, there's a, there's a passion for nature and there's a passion to be able to harvest food, life-sustaining food, uh, either for yourself or your family, um, and a pride of knowing where it comes from. So um, I wouldn't say that the waterfowler or the duck hunter is any less well off than the deer hunter. Uh, we've just, we're just tougher. <laughs> You're going to start some shit with that That's one. There. Right. Well, I, call a spade boy. a spade. We're just a little tougher. We have a little more passion. You know what's way cooler toys. You know what's crazy is I did not really grow up. Well, no, I did not grow up in the deer stand mentality of deer hunting um we walked the forest 
and we would we would kneel or sit in areas where you know deer crossed yeah and there was perfect time for chiggers and ticks oh yeah <laughs> and yeah but nowadays um i think there's a lot of comforts involved with uh deer hunting but we're not here to talk about deer hunting we're here to talk about waterfowling well we can compare the two on who's manlier (laughs) (laughs) their toys cost a lot more than deer hunters man uh you can get out there i mean uh than, than duck hunters you can get out there on a duck hunt and and spend you know 350 dollars on a shotgun that'll get the job done a deer rifle on the other hand you spend 350 dollars on a deer rifle you're liable to cause a big problem you know i i'm a i'm a a, a negotiator by trade um i'm a debater by heart and um you know i i can make the argument that a single bullet of that 20 round bullet and how many bullets or shotgun shells you you may miss on a on a duck hunt um you know it's really not comparable right it's going to your blind getting your one shell opening the slide turning off your hbo go from your ipad <laughs> the- that reminds me, did you see that uh that uh duck hunter that that built that boat that has like freaking coffee machines built into it, uh heater and you know all sleeping quarters and all that. And so basically the boat pulls up, the boat is the blind, you know, everybody's kind of snoozing, taking naps and shit like that. They have their hot coffee, then they open up the top of the boat and like ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> that guy found a niche that yeah. people- willing to pay like millions so let's go on sunday let's do an evening hunt you can watch the football game and you can have as many beers you want and shoot ducks it's like bringing in a manly passion of or or female passion of epic yes, because or- we know a lot of lady lady duck hunters yes don't forget them i do i, I mm-hmm. most of my clientele are lady duck hunters which is another the whole story in itself, but they're even more badass than how manly we think we are. Like, yeah. like without getting stuck in the mud. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, every duck hunter I've known has passed and is a little crazier than the normal person. And we, we've talked to different captains in the past about how as a fisherman, how do we treat and share the water with yeah. waterfowlers, right? <laughs> Don't bring that back. <laughs> it's it's a very difficult, thin line that you have to to uh, maintain, and and this is what started, you know, my thinking. Like, oh man, we need to have a waterfowling um, uh, episode because the day of teal season, that teal season opened last Saturday, right? Uh, it was the beginning of September. It closes. Okay. This this Sunday. Okay, so it was September 3rd. Yeah. Sept- yeah, okay, that was a Saturday. And I was fishing a tournament that day. Um, I was fishing with Chris Turner, and we I said, all right, we're going to go to this, this back lake. We're going to get there super early before the sun comes up so that we can actually kind of listen and, and mm-hmm. kind of get a feel for what's going on in the lake. 
we get there, I'm not even thinking about teal season. And the sun comes up and I'm like, it's fishing time. Let's get to our spot. Oh, get up on plane and I'm getting there, man. And all of a sudden I see all these freaking flashing lights. Yeah, like get the off. Hey, dude. I've been <laughs> here since 2 30. <laughs> Fuck away. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh shit, man. It's right where I need to go. Like, there is one passage, one way for me to get there. And it's through this area. Now, luckily, I stopped. I hear boom, 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 boom. And everybody pops up from their their blinds and they start running out to go get their their kill. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm like, I'm going. I'm getting through here because at this point in time, they're not they're not waiting for any more ducks to come. I'm not gonna cause any problems. I can get by them and and not even have to worry about it but it was the crazy flashing lights the disco that popped up from the shadows of this lake mm-hmm. that i was like it's time to talk about waterfowling why are they even there <laughs> why why are the people there <laughs> yeah well in your mind god no i love that i i love it i love and that's part of the enjoyment it's the unknowns to skiffs and boaters that God, if I become an asshole at that moment, right. And this is me thinking for you are all these people that are camoed up sitting in the grass have probably fought off mosquitoes for two hours, walk through waist deep mud as if you're walking through snow Woke up before that, and they all have guns. Is it worth going through? <laughs> okay, so that's not what's on my mind. <laughs> um, I like to think that people are actually part, most people are part of the greater good and wouldn't pop a cat over in my direction. But here's what was on my mind. I have the right to pass them regardless, right. regardless of what they're doing there and regardless if they had already shot some of their you know some teal and we're out there to retrieve it i could have passed and i could have been the dickhead mm-hmm. and i would would have probably gotten roasted on facebook even though they don't know me they probably wouldn't have found out who i was no, um but not. i i would have gotten roasted on some social media platform and honestly i don't want that i no. don't want to be that guy but they also have the right to not be harassed by boaters coming through while they're trying to duck hunt. And there's no way for them to really make themselves noticed until you get right up on top of them. Well, I think the the flashing lights, you notice them, you acknowledge you notice them. I mean, that's pretty defined. At a pretty great distance, by the way. Well, I would it, say... I and would they say, did the job if you had a pretty great distance before you came up on their spread. 150 yards. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, 150 <laughs> yards, I, I throttled back and stopped. Um, now in, in this contrasting existence of boaters, fishermen, and waterfowlers that have to share the water during this time, I think it's super important for boaters and fishermen to really respect the waterfowler, especially when duck season like really ramps up, man. When, you know, when you guys are, are out there with 
paying clients and and you're expecting to fill their you know their limits you know so it, it's it's different i think everything in nature and if you're a guide uh, is about teaching right so um if if a boat comes up right it's it's not worth any of the trouble that can be caused because of something silly that can pass in two three minutes right if you're running seconds, on, honestly seconds, yeah, seconds. running on plane you're passing by that's a blink in the life of when a, a group of ducks can come in right it, it's it's the education factor it's frustrating don't tell don't get me wrong um but there's a lesson learned that can again the pebbles thrown the waves that are made by that are a bigger life lesson aside from sitting in a duck blind right someone smudges your puma let it slide he's passing through he has his passion it didn't affect us let him pass by no big deal yeah. plane don't damage any of my shit and we're good but don't don't linger because just as you want to catch fish i want to shoot ducks let's get some distance between each other and everybody's happy so it's uh, it's good for fishermen to recognize not only the time of year okay yeah. but also the location that you plan to fish whether or not there are duck hunters there and it's pretty easy i need to share in fact i need to finish it but i have a map okay you know how on google you can create your own maps yeah and you can start saving locations and, and naming them and things like that and you can actually share that in fact uh, there's one out there that Sunny Mills created, and it's all the kayak um, launch points along the Texas coast. He just did it in Google Maps. I started one on duck blinds. I wanted to know what was that? No, so I, I was going to say it's twofold, though, right? So part of duck hunting, at least early season, and you know, after the first few days of regular duck season. I welcome boat traffic. Okay, that was going to be another point that I brought up. Why oh, do you welcome boat traffic? Because boat traffic also flares up ducks to where if someone's moving in an area that I'm not at, they may, because your motor's loud, because you're making noise, they may come off the water and look for a safer spot, right? Some of the best days are... And I hate to say it, like Saturday and Sunday, when I know boats are going to be moving around, they're going to be spooking up ducks. And these ducks are going to look for areas that, in their mind, feel safer. And if I can fool them in by my decoys, because there's a lot of boat traffic on the water, to come down and say, well, this place is looks pretty damn comfortable. Right. Um, it's, it's a two-edged sword. Right. It's sometimes boaters running around are great. Sometimes boaters, if ducks are coming in, it's I feel differently. But for the most part, I, I enjoy boat traffic as long as they don't come in close to me. So and that's what um, one of the captains or, or um, someone that we spoke with in the past. That's their sentiment. Exactly. That 
as long as the boat has a very reasonable distance and i asked okay what's reasonable i have to go back and, and listen to it but i think he was like you know a couple hundred yards as long as you keep a couple hundred yards away the ducks are not going to come anywhere around the boat but the boat will push the ducks into an area that they feel is more safe which may be that decoy spread that you have right there Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So in the endless marsh effect, right, you've got a slough you're running through that jumps tank to tank to tank to tank. If I find that ducks are landing in a certain tank, I set up clients or I set up for myself, right? Um, if a boater comes by and wants to continue to jump these sloughs and jump these tanks and jump these marsh, um, I welcome it because I know the area down the way that i didn't get to if there's something there and you're hearing a 60 horsepower two-stroke push through and get mud sucked up and it's struggling to go through it's gonna scare up some ducks and hopefully when they come up they see my decoys and i come down and i drop them so um it's the boater that has a complex of i don't own the water yeah screw you guy I yeah. have every right to fish here. It may not be screw you. It'd be like, fuck you. I've got, I'm going to fish in the same thing. They mean the same thing. <laughs> be because, well, because then it becomes like, fuck me, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, not fuck. So, you know, that's, and I think last time I was on your show, we talked about duck hunting and I said desk pop or, or something to that extent. No, I did said one more. Thank you, hook and ladder. Again, always making sure I'm taking. Well, they're care. getting a lot of <laughs> name yeah. Jobs. yeah, you did. You did. Uh, you did use the term desk pop. So for the yeah. listeners out there, desk pop is basically just putting one over the bow, right? Put one over the bow, putting one away from them, but allowing them to know that you're there. Just scare them just enough to let a little pee pee out. Uh, yeah, a little PB, right? You're responsible as a gun owner that when you pull the trigger, anything that comes out of your barrel is, is your responsibility. So you don't shoot towards them, but let them know you're there. Sure. Sure. It's, so. uh, it's a tactic. The lighting is also a tactic. Um, sometimes people aren't very aware with their eyeballs, so you do have to give them something audible. Um, and I, respect that 100 percent. and some of the areas that i fish man those gunshots sound like they are right there next to me man i've been in copano bay during duck season and i was like holy crap where are these guys at like i cannot see them but i surely can hear them and, and they, they sound like they are right on top of me they did their job <laughs> keeping the keeping the uh lead rain away from me <laughs> That's yeah. right. Play a game yeah. of pepper. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like that game. So as a kayak waterfowler, um, I'm sure your equipment is extremely important to you. Now, I know that you might not be using your kayak to duck hunt right now. You're probably using your skiff. Yeah. So and I'm get getting out to spots so i run a little john boat, a out. John boat. okay um and a lot of the 
early till season is the enjoyment for me, right? Because when duck season starts, if you would have talked to me five years ago, that was all I was absorbed by. But right now it's changed to making sure that my clients have a good time. So early till is a lot of scouting, a lot of using a John boat, um, some that get in shallow, just the same as a kayak. And um, well, whenever you weren't you kayak wa- uh, waterfowling though, at some point in your in this the tenure of, of waterfowling, oh, there was there was time when you were purely a kayak waterfowler, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we described earlier, I've always had boats. You've always had boats. Um, so what makes it different to be a kayak waterfowler versus someone who's just running out to a, a spot in a boat? Besides the simple fact and the known fact that you really can't run all the way out to St. Joe Bay no. in a kayak. No. So, um, I mean, it's it's a whole different game, right? Uh, November, December, January, the weather's unpredictable, right? So any day could be different. We've got cold fronts running in and it takes a special type of person to know that it's blowing 30 miles an hour, right? It's, I don't know, 40 degrees outside. You know, you're going to get wet. You know, you're going to get splashed. It takes a special type of person to deal with those conditions. It takes, um, yeah, absolutely. It, t- it takes a special type a of person. hardened individual. I wouldn't even say hardened. I would say sometimes it's more of an individual that needed to learn a little bit about themselves and know what they can put their body through to be successful. So I think any individual can do it, right? It's, if you believe in yourself enough, because there's hundreds of guides out there that'll take you on a boat. You won't get wet, drop you in a stationary blind for 200 bucks. Right. Or you can go with me and be miserable. (laughs) Right. You're going to get wet. You're going to walk through mud. Matt drag you through the elements. Well, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's not about the ducks you shoot. It's about being able to believe in yourself to get through some things or conditions that you didn't think you could get through. So talk to me about if, if you're a if you're wanting to do this by kayak, perfect what type day. Of, are you think are you saying it has to be a perfect day to, to do it in a kayak or, you know, the worst thing I want is someone to try to mimic uh, a podcast into experience. And I'm not trying to go there. What no. I want to do and is... get and get rescued by by the coach. <laughs> I think I think anybody can have anybody has the ability to do it. But there's more to it than I'm going to go duck hunting. I know it's shitty weather, right? Ducks fly better in shitty weather, at least in my opinion. But I would hate for someone to go out thinking they can do it and then have a have them risk their health and well-being for the passion of let me prove it to myself i'm hoping that anybody listening to this and that is is a waterfowler of any type has already had that bug bite them 
and make them passionate about this very short period of time where you can shoot in the sky and, 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 and bring down dinner. So what I'm trying to get at here is <clears throat> we've seen it. In, we've seen, we've seen it in magazines. We've seen it in, um, you know, uh, media posts and i'm not necessarily saying social media but on the interwebs and and you see this gear man and this guy's like you know in his kayak and his kayak has a blind built into it and you know he's got the barrel of his gun sticking out of it and these companies out there make it look like you know hey here's the perfect equipment for your perfect day of duck hunting um out on the water is that realistic? Like, are those things, that kayak with a built-in blind, you know, barrel sticking out of it, that sort of shit. Is that realistic? Is that something that, that Matt Murphy would use to become a kayak waterfowler? Um, I would say aside from the name brand and the advertisement, it, it it's, it's pretty damn accurate. Right. Um, you know, you're going to have more success if you're concealed. You're going to have more success if you blend in with the the foliage that surrounds you. Um, depending on the ducks that you're trying to kill. So I know from a fishing standpoint, you know, you go out on into a tournament to go fish a redfish tournament. You're hopping on a Hobie and you're, you're using your Hobie because honestly, let's be real hobies provide the needed torque and um sound like a commercial here oh right. i'm just man i'm I, I'm you, when you need to cover water there's yeah. nothing like a hobie and i'm not sponsored by hobie i've got eight different kayaks they all serve their own purpose but no, if i'm I, gonna go fish a tournament i'm fishing it out of a, a out of a, my outback because I know that I can use the Mirage Drive all day long and I'm not going to get tired. But is that is is a Hobie Outback something that you just jump into to go duck fish? Uh, duck fish. Yeah. <laughs> duck hunting. Uh, no way guys service this out for cast and blast, by the way. Um, that's badass. That's, that's, that's a service that uh, everybody should take advantage of. So the same the same weather conditions as a tournament fisher may launch and a recreational fisher may not, right? Those those same rules apply. You know you can torque or break through certain conditions or get to some areas or move past your comfort zone because you trust in your gear, right? Hobie kayak, you know you can get through it. You know, you even if it's slowly, you can still get through it. Um, I use Hobie Outbacks because I believe in them, not because it's the brand that sponsors me. Is that what you consider an ideal product for going duck hunting? I consider it an ideal product going duck hunting in saltwater or tidal conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. Because I it can get you through those tough conditions. Now, the it, boat itself is getting you through those tough conditions. No, not necessarily. So if majority of duck season I'm launching and I'm I'm the normal guy, right? I've got the kayak. I've got the pedal. Um, 
my clients have the option to have a Texas power paddle attached to them just to alleviate some of that stress. Um, but at the end of the day, most of the work comes from their physical strength to be able to push through some of the conditions where people won't launch normally. Um, and I attribute that to the performance of the Hobie, Hobie Outback, the performance of the Mirage Drive, the performance to launch in some unfavorable weather. That yeah, like you said, because ducks tend to fly better in they do weather. and it, it it it's it's never a picture perfect day if it's a blue sky day and it's too perfect might as well go fishing yeah you might as well go fishing um because these ducks are comfortable where they're at why get up and fly and move around yeah find a better spot it's, they're like um, we're we're at the resort right now it's beautiful outside it, we're just gonna and again I, I talked about earlier how i've I work myself out of a job. You know, it, it's the same thing. The people that book a kayak hunting trip on a bad day and are willing to come out here and test themselves. Um, again, they're, the success is not rated based on how many ducks we down. The success is rated on how they tested themselves and overcome some of the limitations that they didn't think they could have. If you shoot a duck, we shoot two, we shoot limits, we've got geese flying, everything's great, then those are just the bonus. Because uh, most of the time people don't come solo. They're coming with friends or, or their small group of, of buddies that um, I've seen it firsthand where they build off each other to build confidence to get through some of the conditions that most kayakers won't go out in and as a tournament director it's really really bad to put a a, a, a kayak duck hunting guide as the tournament director because i'm going to have every individual test themselves yeah yeah, you, right. We we definitely saw that with Cats One. <laughs> <laughs> but you find out something about yourself that you didn't know, and that's more powerful than certainly. I, I found out that the hair on my neck really does stand up <laughs> when <laughs> lightning strikes 150 yards away from me. <laughs> well, that's a judgment call on that one. Yeah, <laughs> open. You should have waited. I'm just saying. So, you know, I think a lot of people out there would believe like, oh, man, you know, uh, Hobie Outback is not, you know, a duck hunting boat, man. I've got to have something that is more, um, I don't know, canoeish. Um, I've got to have something that's more, you know, elemental to the earth, you know, and less technology. Um you know, how can I bring something so advanced out to a duck hunt? What what question are you asking right there? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, one. you look in these magazines of these guys out there on these duck hunts. They're not in Hobies. They are in. Huh. Um, they're in the highest payer to pay for advertisement. Who can put a slot in a magazine, man? That's that's the craziest thing is that they're the stuff that's being advertised and pushed onto people that want to get into duck hunting and waterfowling um, is uh, to me it seems like unrealistic gimmicks. 
a you lot know, of it is. I'll tell you, safety is my number one, right? Because as a kayak guide, if somebody is unsafe or someone gets injured, it's my responsibility to bring them back home, right? Bring them back to the launch, regardless if they can either get fatigued, they have a cramp, um, the motor dot, whatever the case may be. And, and this is crazy because the shit that you're saying right now, you're going to be like, yo, the best thing ever to do all of this and keep my clients safe is. No, it, 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 <laughs> I think I, think I want to hear you say Hobie Outback because I would say the same damn thing. <laughs> I mean, I, that's the it's just a tool, man. It's a tool. It's one of the best tools out there. In the, business. the best tool is confidence in yourself that you can do it. Right. That's the best tool. Believing in yourself and having a minor support system, whether you met them a couple hours ago or not, that also believes in you to be able to push through some tough conditions. Um, that's that's way more powerful than any tool. You give me somebody a, a paddle ascend kayak from Bass Pro Shops. And if everybody around him believes in him, we're going to make it three miles. I goddamn guarantee you he will. It's it's because it's not going to be a rough day. It might be a rough day, but I guarantee he'll do it. No, I said it better not be a rough day. I did. I have seen some crazy stuff when wind kicks up. It's um, I use the tools and gear available to make it as easy as possible for my clients. But there's still days that I've got to tell people to dig deep. Sure. Yeah. Man the fuck up, right? Which I don't normally talk to people that way, but it's sometimes you have to do that. And then the success is seeing them finish that last mile. Yeah, there I can I can imagine there's times where you're like, okay, the only way I'm going to get through to this guy, don't you know? I've already tried to talk to him calmly. I've already tried to explain the situation, and and now I'm going to just have to be like a drill sergeant and get it through to him that he is going to have to dig deep, or she is going to have to dig deep, and and to hike up that skirt and push through this as hard as they possibly can. And it is, and I've never seen them one, no one ever not do it. Right. It's, 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 it's honestly an easy thing once you think about it. You know, you're, oh, yeah. you're like, just don't quit. Yeah. Just don't quit. No, now, I don't know. You know, it's different, man. My, um, it's a hard sell. Come duck hunting with me in shitty ass weather. We may or may not catch ducks. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to sweat. You're going to be in mud. It's going to be cold. It's going to be raining. Like my, my clientele is the clientele that after our hunt, we become friends. And I feel guilty, again, working myself out of business, that if they make it through it on a shitty day, I would gladly and be grateful to hunt with them any other day for free. Like you didn't you know, hear this, guys. Make sure you schedule a uh, hunt with Matt when it's really <laughs> shitty out there and you'll get a free hunt. <laughs> but it, it, it's funny, like the, the clientele that comes out too, um, it's all inclusive. So you don't have to get out of your kayak. I will tug and pull and push you in, cover your blind up, make sure you're comfortable, give you a Gatorade, give you a water, feed you whatever you need. Even if you do a cast and blast, I make you lunch. 
but the character of everybody that went duck hunting with me last year, they were the first ones out there to help me pick decoys up. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were, they were engaged in the whole experience. Again, working myself out. And I tell them, you can do this on your own. The only difference is, is time in the field, seeing how birds fly, seeing how birds flap, knowing if it's a shooter or not. Um, that's what you're paying for. You can oh, buy that's, a- that's a tough part of it too, man. It is. You can buy a guy, you know, uh, a bag from Walmart that has camo on it. Go out there and repeat exactly what I showed you. But it's the legality of it and the time spent in the field to be able to identify ducks in low light based on wing pattern. Because you may, you may think that it's something that you want, but it might be a whistling tauntaun. I mean, it could be, or you, you've got to, you know, I, I think you said whistling tauntaun last year. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what the hell they were called, but yeah. you know what? I know what they are now because I have two of them living here in, at my house. I mean, you could have a group of, you know, five or six pintails come in and the limit's one, right? You've got 200. How do you know what they are? Experience in the field. It's the way the neck looks before the sun comes up, how, how their flat pattern is, how they're flying, how they look over, how they cup. Um, and that, that, that's really what you pay for a guide during duck hunting is the education aspect of can I shoot this, can I not shoot this? Because literally I love duck hunting way more than fishing. And I would love everybody to take that up and go out there within the means that they feel safe. Um, but you got to do it right, man. You know what I mean? Don't, sure. don't shoot something you can't. And that's what you're paying for when you pay for a guide is the 20 years he's been out there and able to identify a, a certain duck by how it flaps. That's the, See, that is the part. Okay, besides the fact that, like I said earlier, I can't shoot and release a duck. Right. Um, the the studying and the um, the retention, and then being able to apply it in a split second. Yeah, it literally is. A I split. can't trust myself. I can't trust myself to go through all of that schooling and then apply it in just a split second. No, it, it, it it's difficult. We don't have enough kayak duck hunters down here. Um, and, you know, I've, I've transitioned from giving free help to paid help. So it's hard for me to say, like, hey, Tackle Talk Tuesday, come on out. I'll teach you something um, for free. But to be able to pass on a little bit of what my passion would be, you got people that'll drive people out to a blind, stick them in there and say, all right, if it flies, it dies. And ethically, because I love it so much. And that's the same with any aspect, right? You love redfish. You love catching redfish. That's where being part of harvesting them makes you a better steward um the same goes for duck hunting i want to make 
my six-year-old's life, you know, the best duck hunting anybody ever has. Um, and if everybody's going out there and just shooting random shit, it, it makes it difficult for that. So hire a guide, find a friend, hire a guide and then become a friend, which has most has happened with me with duck hunting to where, um, you know, they want advice. I'm giving it to them for free now. But beforehand, you were an acquaintance and things have changed because I saw the passion in your eyes that I have. But um, just don't go out there and do a it flies, it dies type bullshit. So I want to hear about this. If it flies, it dies. We're reaching our limit here. And I want to give you some time um, to tell these folks how to find matt murphy and and what to expect whenever they do locate you but before we do that if it flies it dies so just like the meat haulers of this world that are out there taking clients on fishing trips and just filling a cooler with absolutely everything they can they can stab in the face there are duck guides out there that have that same mentality is that what you're telling me if it flies it dies i would think no matter what the pattern is of its you know wing pattern or it's you know how it cups or um anything else that you're telling me you're saying that those guys are like eh forget about it pop a cap in its ass no i'm i'm not i'm not saying that there's guys out there that promote that you know, I'm saying that somebody may be interested in duck hunting, right? Somebody that may not have the means available to purchase a guy, right? I was in those shoes too before. It was a time in the field that time in the field that nothing came in. Time in the field early during regular uh, fishing that lets you see how nature interacts, lets you see how ducks interact, that makes you more educated on what type of waterfowl that is. Um, I mean, it's hard, right? If it flies, it dies. That's the that's the Instagram, TikTok tag, right? I'm a duck hunter. Let me a little more menacing than what it actually is no it it really is and if if you have any care or love there's a big transition between meat hall and loving what you do and when you love what you do you really become a steward of it so that either yourself selfishly or somebody else can experience the catch or the you become a part of conservation no it is and People don't understand that is, you know, buying hunting licenses and being being involved makes you want a better season next year and you become more of a conservationist than you even think you had ever been. So let's be touch on the the subject of realism, like of the person of the person that that is saying if it flies, it dies. What's Uh, realistically involved there? So they shoot a bunch of uh if it flies it dies is exactly what it sounds fine i know but if they if they shoot a bunch of like out of season ducks or they shoot more than their limit what it comes down to is honestly i mean we've all seen 
Lone Star Law, you're going to get probably a ticket, maybe multiple tickets, and you could possibly even spend the night in jail. You know, realistically, the marsh is so diverse and so wide, and these duck boats or kayaks, we can launch wherever, right? These aren't hot spots. They're not main hubs. Um, The flies and dies mentality is let's fucking pull the trigger and let it fly. And um, what makes duck hunting special is that there are limits on certain species of ducks within your bag of six. So you can have six ducks total, right? But that doesn't mean a six duck free for all. Like you can have one pintail, you can have one bluebell or scalp, lesser or greater, depending on what you want to call it. This is nuts. <laughs> no, I mean, there's there's a lot I, to it. I know there's a lot to it, man. There's like some school that you need to go to in order to. Uh... It's the school of a positive influence that wants to teach you about it because they just they love it and they love you enough to want to teach you to do it the right way. So. If these guys wanted to go to school, mm-hmm. I'm sure that No Wait Guide Service is holding classes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm not a self-promoter, man. I I, I don't fit the mold. I'm outside the grain. Um, I'm not but, coming here to try to get a promotional spot. But, but yeah. since you're here, Matt, and these guys that are listening to the show have an interest in waterfowling, yeah. And we've got a lot of time between now and when things really start heating up. This episode's dropping on Tuesday. Yeah. So if these folks have listened this far, mm-hmm. they deserve to know how to get in touch with you and well, book your ass. <laughs> you know, if if you want to get in touch with me and you're interested in the no bullshit, we're going to have a good time. I'm going to try to teach you something. Um if not, we're going to have a good time regardless. I, I can be reached at yourkayakguide.com. A dot com. Yourkayakguide.com. Or you can find me nowaycoastalguideservice.com. You can find me nowaycunningguide.com. Or you can call me directly 210-323-6521. Again, 210-323-6521. But um, aside from wanting to book me, um, if you have a question or you have a, just, if I can feel the passion in your voice, right? I think, I mean, it, it's hard to say, right? Like, let's go duck hunting. That's what it is. I'll book you or, uh, we'll get you out there. You'll, you'll definitely learn something. I can't predict how the ducks are flying, but I'm going to do my this to, put you in a spot where I'd be sitting myself that day. No, well, there you have it. Um, don't forget. You can also find Matt Murphy on Facebook and <laughs> uh, Instagram. I know he's on Instagram too. What's I, your... uh, surprisingly or not, uh, kayakwaterfowler.com or there kayak... you go. Kayakwaterfowler on Instagram. So he's there. He's on all the medias, the social medias and I'd be damned. You got three dot coms. Oh yeah, I've got I've got like seventeen others. <laughs> You're one of those guys. You went out when the dot com craze hit. You went and bought a bunch of 
All right, bye. Matt Murphy sucks.com. <laughs> no way coastal guys service sucks.com. Like the, so this is we're we're gonna close this out here in a second, but there, <laughs> it's funny that you we we you know brought up the dot coms because I just had a conversation with a couple guys the other day and they were uh posting about you know where the where's the best um site hosting currently and I was like damn that's still a thing now I've had my site for you know i own a dj business and i've owned a dj business since the 90s and that website has been active the same i've never freaking changed it if you go there right now to the website in fact i'll go ahead and and it's mochouston.com if you go and you look at mochouston.com and you look at the about me on that page the photo that pops up will blow your mind so that's all I'm saying. It's been out there since the 90s, bro. And it definitely looks like it. <laughs> um, I've worst podcast ever, Drew. Like, <laughs> you let Drew take a vacation day, Chris, and we just talked about random shit all day. Uh, you know, this this is this is how a lot of our podcasts go, <laughs> to be honest. We we jump on and we have um you know we have fun with our guests and and we have a couple guys out there that that listen to this podcast regularly and you know that's one thing that they love about it is that there's so much random shit because as they're driving down the road to whatever destination they need to you know make and they've got a two hour drive and they're like dude I know I can listen to y'all for two hours and the subject will change you know, five or six times. And, and that in itself is what makes, you know, the paddlers playbook, you know, so valuable to the world. I think is it's a variety. Triple threat, baby. The triple threat, man. That was something that was supposed to be huge. Dude. Oh God, it would have been I even, huge. I even had an entire, I don't know if you ever heard it. Hold on. I wonder if I can even pull this up. Yeah. Now, did you ever hear it? No, I never heard it, but if my wife wouldn't have went back to school, that would have came to fruition. Um, man, I know this has got to be on here somewhere. But that That's when I was all involved in shit, you know? Now I'm free for all. It's a, hard. It's hard to, um, it's hard to stay involved in this stuff. Uh, you know, I, I don't have kids at home anymore. I know. So. Huh? I got one that got kicked kicked out. Well, not kicked out, but no, the eighteen year old and then six year old. You have an eighteen year old? Oh yeah, I'm as old as you, man. What are you talking? Uh, about? I'm. I think I'm like six years older than you are. But okay. but six years is not a big gap though. When when you when you get to the point to where you're forty years old or so, um, yeah. no, you've been through a lot in life. Where is this damn? God, you better find that. Yeah, I need to find it, man. Because so it's... I would have had a that would like that would have transitioned Tackle Talk Tuesday because I believed in you, like or y'all when it was early. You know what I mean? Oh, um, there, there were a lot of things that um, Drew and myself were supposed to do that oftentimes just don't make their way. Um, because we just we get so just inundated with other things and honestly you know what i'll go ahead and blame it on drew um 
<laughs> he is probably one of the most I'm into everything and anything type of people um, ever. And it's just his personality. Um, it's the way he's always been. He's had me sleep in his house before, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, I've, you know, since since I've known him for as long as I have, it's just been one thing after the other. And we talk about it on here and we talk about it in person. Um, it's just... Um, it's just the way that that Drew is. Where I love it. is this file, man? Ah, uh, we're we're already winding down. Go you out of here? Yeah. All right, Shane. We'll I'll see you later. Saturday. Sunday. Um, oh, I'll see you Saturday in Elite, and then I'll see you Sunday for duck hunting. Yeah. All right. Be safe, man. Good luck out there.